Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. What does this mean? It's harvest time. So I'm not sure for those of you who maybe are newer to the church and don't know about the incredible blessing that sometimes is bestowed upon us. When you come in and you see bins outside, take some, take some home, right? And, you know, last week, Pastor Mary was talking about um, coming to the table the blessing that is bestowed upon you, perhaps maybe what you can do is take some extra and invite somebody to your table. Amen. Right? Invite them to your table and, and pass it on, the blessings that God has for each and every one of you. So, I grew up on a farm. Most of you already know that right? And um, I miss farm life. I really do. There's certain aspects of it that I think back on, and it's like, why would anybody want to be a farmer? (laughs) But there's there's some aspects of it that are just so rewarding. And the harvest is one of those times. But you know, growing up as a farm kid, it was hard, hard work. And you know, even as a young child, the moment that I could carry a sand bucket, I had to go in the barn and gather eggs. And we had had a small chicken farm. We only had 8,000 chickens. (laughs) And typically, you know, when the chickens are healthy and happy, you get one egg per chicken a day. How long do you think it would take to gather 8,000 eggs with a little sand bucket? You know, harvest is all about gathering, right? Every day I participated in the harvest with the chickens, every day. Spring, summer, fall, winter, even on Sunday. We had to gather eggs. And it was hard. I'm talking this morning about enduring harvest. And there's so many aspects about the harvest that we don't really consider. Out of curiosity, uh, okay, so I already know Lisa seems to relate to what I'm talking about here, but is there anybody else who has grown up on a farm and kind of relate to the whole harvest thing? Okay, there's quite a few hands, more than I thought, which is awesome. And, um, you know, um, some of my best memories in that growing up was just the privilege of the next big thing. I remember one harvest... 
I was out in the field with my dad. It was, I was in the combine with him, and we just finished harvesting that one field, and he wanted to wrap up, and he said, if we're going to get home before midnight, this was on a Saturday evening, and my dad was religious about Sundays. You do not work on Sunday. And as far as my dad was concerned, Sunday started at midnight Saturday night. So we were out finishing up the field. I am, I think I was about six or seven years old. I can't quite remember, but I was young. That's correct. Anyways, and um, my dad says, there's no way we're going to get this, this, you know, get everything home to the farm before, before midnight if you don't drive the truck home. The green truck. I couldn't even see over the dash. But my dad was ingenious. What he did was he put, there was some books in the truck, and I don't know if he would plan this or what, but there was some books in the truck. He put the books over in front of the steering wheel, and uh, he had me sitting beside, and, um, and he put the thing in gear and got the truck going, and he said to me, he said, you keep the RPMs, or he tied a block to my foot so I could reach the gas pedal, and he says, you keep the RPMs at 4,000, no more and no less, and you drive the truck home. He puts it in gear and gets it going. He slides me over onto the books and I'm looking between the great big steering wheel and the dash. And I am scared spitless. And I'm reaching with my foot to the gas pedal and keeping it right at 4,000 RPM. He jumps out, gets in the combine, which doesn't drive that fast, but he beat me home. He beat me home. And, and when I drove onto the yard, sweating buckets, he was already ready, opens the door, pushes me over, and uh, continues driving the truck to where he wanted it to be. <clears throat> By the time I was eight years old, there wasn't a vehicle on the yard that I wasn't driving. You know, harvest was always the most exciting season. But as I continued to grow and participate and help on the farm, there were so many lessons that I learned. Seeding was one of the worst times for me. Um, long hours, really, really heavy labor. And I can remember one year complaining that it was so hard, it was so hard, and we had to, like, I think I was cultivating or something, just preparing the soil so that my dad could come along after and seed. And um, I was complaining, and my dad said to me, he, says, he said, Larry, he says, you need to know something. You've learned to enjoy the harvest, right? I says, yeah. He said, everything is about the harvest. He says, everything you are doing is about the harvest. Look to the person beside you and say it with me. It's all about the harvest. Are you, getting, are you getting what I'm saying here? It's all about the harvest. It didn't matter if it was spring, summer, fall, or winter. Everything we did on the farm was all about the harvest. And you know, there was times 
where we didn't get much of a harvest. And dad would say, I can remember him clearly in my ear, still saying it, there's always next year. There's always next year. Do you know, there's a few laws about the harvest that I want to share with you. The first one is you reap only what has been sown. Right? You reap only what has been sown. If you sow wheat, you reap wheat. If you sow corn, you reap corn. And even in a garden, for those of you who, who aren't farmers, I mean, many of you have planted a garden, and you don't sow peas hoping to get watermelon. It just doesn't work. <laughs> a miracle harvest. <laughs> okay, I want some of that harvest. <laughs> but you know, if you sow discord, you reap discord. If you sow dishonesty, you reap dishonesty. If you sow pride, you reap destruction. But if you sow love, you reap love. Right? Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8 from the NLT. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live in to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. You know, the English Standard Version says it in a little different way, and I didn't ask them to put it up because I wasn't sure if they actually had it. But it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. Do you know that sometimes, like the passage that was read by uh, um, Des and, and Kim, sometimes the devil sows in weeds. Okay? But do you know that it's interesting? Do you think the wheat in the moment knows Weeds are being sowed in amongst them? Uh-uh. Don't know. They don't know. And so we end up growing up with weeds around us, and we don't even recognize it unless somebody reveals it to you. And so we need community. We need community. We need to grow up together. So that we can become part of a great harvest. And then verse 9 of the same passage. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And this brings me to the second law.
Hang on, before I get to the second law. <clears throat> One of the things that I learned about the patience of the harvest and, and harvesting what you sow, sometimes the harvest doesn't come when we want it to. Sometimes it doesn't come when we want it to. We always reap what we sow, but it doesn't necessarily come in the moment that we want it to. I remember one year, um, I'm not sure, does everybody know what flax is? They put, it, they put flax in, in uh, some of your fancy breads and your more healthy breads and stuff like that. Well, my dad every year grew flax. One, one year, uh, snow came early. We had snow in September. We didn't get the harvest off. My dad harvested the flax in springtime after the snow was gone. And do you know what he said? That was the best flax harvest he had ever had. But you always harvest what you sow. He harvested flax. It didn't happen exactly in the time that he hoped, but it came. You know, um, you may say to me, but pastor, I, um, I don't have anything to sow. I don't have anything to sow. What am I supposed to sow? You know, I was listening to a story uh, coming to work um, on K-Love. Uh, and one of the radio stations out of Detroit, Christian radio station. And this man had called in to tell his story. He said, my wife and I are homeless and don't have anything, but are happier now than we've ever been in this life. The broadcaster asked, how is that so? Where are you finding your joy? He said, we've begun giving what we have and stopped fretting about what we don't have. Every day we serve at the soup kitchen and get to share the love of Jesus with those who are worse off than we are. And as we sow into these people's lives, we reap peace and joy. Amen. Knowing that we are safe in the arms of our creator. Can you imagine? They sowed what they had. And one of the things that we have in Christ Jesus is love. Eternal love. Unconditional love. Is there anyone here who cannot love? I don't see any hands going up. We all have the capacity to love. Right? Sow what you have. You know, there's another concept, and I'm just going to throw this in. Um, just briefly, it's kind of like a squirrel trail. But you know, um, there's so many ways in which we can sow. We can sow of our time, right? When God gives an opportunity for you to participate in his ministry, you are sowing. Okay? Our time is a gift. There's 24 hours in every day. 
I was asked a question once, if you had an extra hour to your day, what would you do? Do you know what my response was? I don't need an extra hour. It would cause more problems. Because the time that I have is God's. It's an allotted time. And I need to steward that time well. And in the same way we steward our time, we steward our finances. Right? And I know this is a, this is a problem area for some of us. Because I earned that money. That's my money. Do you know what? Who gave you the job? Who opened the doors for you to get that job? You know, and it's interesting because if I was to ask for people to come and share testimony of how the moment they began to tithe, God just began to show up in ways that surprised them and they always had enough. Okay, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, all the fruit of the Spirit. Note I I didn't say fruits, fruit of the Spirit, singular. It's of the Spirit, it's fruit. We can sow fruit. Okay, now, second law. We reap in a different season than when we sow. Right? You can't sow and then the next day expect to reap. There's a journey in sowing. You know, one of the most amazing things in all creation is a seed. It's almost as if every seed has a brain to itself. It's amazing. In order for a seed to germinate and to begin to grow, it needs the perfect temperature. It needs the perfect amount of moisture. And it needs the perfect amount of sunlight per day. Do you know it fascinated me when we moved to Windsor... I noticed that farmers here don't seed as early as they do in Saskatchewan. And I often thought, well, that's strange because it's warmer here, but you don't have as many hours of sunlight in a day as they do in Saskatchewan when it comes to spring, summer, and fall. And every seed knows exactly the number of sunlight hours, even though it's in the ground. It knows it. And it will never germinate until the appropriate time. So what can we learn from that? Actually, before we get there, let me, let me just read some scripture here. John 12, 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Dying is a hard thing. It is. How many of you like to die? Do you know, by 
nature, in our flesh, we are generally afraid of death. But unless you die to self, you will never be fruitful in the harvest. Never. We can sometimes on our own muster up some kind of a harvest. But in a minute, I'm going to be telling you about a harvest that's coming that's going to blow your minds. The question is, are you ready for that harvest? Are you ready? In order to be ready for the harvest, we need to die. We need to die first. You know, and dying is a process. It's not, you know, for some it happens quickly and they die and, and then they just, you know. But for others, it's a process. It's a journey. <clears throat> it's a journey. Maybe it's time for water. <clears throat> a while back, I was going through a period where I was, I was struggling. And a beloved brother, he came to me, and I'm not even sure he knew that I heard what he said, but he commented specifically to the area in which I was struggling. And it just was like a wake-up call. Yes. Because here's the thing about the weed. It slithers in, and it begins, and it's unnoticed, and it just begins to kind of, you know, choke out the potential for the good seed to grow. It's another reason why we need one another. To point out when we're starting to slip away and make mistakes. And we may seem to ourselves that we're doing everything right. Dying is a process. It's a journey. I'm going to read another passage. John 4, 35 to 37. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. It's true. Do you notice? One plants, another harvests. The very first church that Colleen and I were pastoring, um, we were only there a short time because we already knew that uh, we were going to be missionaries in Bolivia. And... Um, uh, I didn't know exactly how long it was, but it ended up being a two-year period. And in that two-year period, the church doubled in size with new converts. And there was one Thanksgiving celebration the church put on, and they invited all the past pro uh, pastors that, had, that were still living. And the previous pastor came to me, and he says, I don't know what I did wrong, but I didn't have any converts. And I said to him, 
I said, you didn't do anything wrong. You planted the seed. It's all about the harvest. Whether you're planting or harvesting, it's all about the harvest. You did God's work so that I could reap the harvest. And he was encouraged. The third law. You cannot do anything about last year's harvest, but we can about this year's. Do you know that often we get bent out of shape worrying about what we did wrong or what about the lack of results? Don't look at what is behind you, but what is present. Everything you do is about the moment. It's about the moment. Matthew 6, verse 34 says, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You know, do you know where anxiety comes from? Yeah, it comes from fear. It comes about from worrying about tomorrow. If you don't worry about tomorrow, you have so much less to be anxious about. But we become anxious about what is in front of us. Do you know, what is our task for today? Our task for today is about making sure that everything we do, every engagement with somebody, every opportunity to to be in relationship and fellowship, if you're walking down the street and you come across a neighbor, every engagement, every encounter is about the harvest. As you show and share the love of Jesus Christ, and you don't need to be preachy. Please don't. They need to know that they are loved before they will even open the doors to receive God's love. Matthew 13, 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. All summer long, it was always about, or not just summer, but all year round, it was always about making sure the soil is right. Before my dad would even go plant, we'd have to go out across all the fields, up and down, up and down. And Colleen knows this because I even have done it with her. Picking stones. Picking stones. Because stones don't make for a very good harvest. I like the way it's written in Luke. Luke 8.15. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Patiently. You know, after the stones, the next worst job growing up on a farm was going and killing, going out and spraying and killing thistle patches and milkweed. I hated it because I had a chemical sensitivity and I didn't know it at the time, but every time I came home, 
I had a blaring headache. And I thought it was the job. But you know, if you didn't get rid of them, they would choke out the other harvest. It's all about the harvest. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are all God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work that, God, that the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it, it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For, for we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. It's all about the harvest. But I don't know how to harvest. I've never driven a combine. There's always a first. There's always a first. Have you been listening to the messages as of late? In every single one of them, there's been a nugget of gold that we can draw from and shape into a more effective, that we, to, uh, bah. you'll love this on live stream. <laughs> They're there to shape us to become more effective laborers for Jesus Christ. Have you heard the saying, Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have now been... Go and be. Do you ever wonder why? Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things of God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. Put your big daddy pants on. So how are you equipped? Here at church, at WCF, we have so many things that we offer. We have encounters that they talked about. Encounters is just as it says, an opportunity for you to encounter God. It's an opportunity for you to dedicate time with God and with others to kind of choke out the weeds and allow for maturity and growth to happen. September 24. Mark it on your calendar. If you haven't been to an encounter, you want to come. Pathway to Maturity classes, formerly known as empowerment classes. They will be starting up again this fall. Okay? They'll be starting up again this fall. This year, we're going to have undercover 
undercover is a class to help you know what it looks like to operate under the authority that God has placed us under. We all operate under authority. And unless we learn to die to self and submit to that authority, we're going to struggle in life. Knowing rediscovered. Have you ever wondered what it is that you really know? Do you know that who you are, and I'm just going to briefly mention this because I know that Kelly's going to be talking about this, but who you are as an individual is based on what you believe. And I'm going to get into that a little more because we've got another hour yet, I believe. (laughs) But anyways, this class will help you to understand you know, what it is that you believe. Some of the critical things. Safe people. Um, Who are safe people in your life? How do you know? How do you learn to find safe people? And then under Dale and Kelly Simmons, who are going to be preaching later on in August, there's marriage ministry, marriage enhancement. You want to improve your marriage? Come to this class. If you're not married and you want to get married, then you want to take Simbus. Saving your marriage before it starts. Powerful, powerful course. And then there's D2LO. And Kelly is going to share briefly her experience of taking D2LO. Good morning, church family. And everyone watching online, hi. (laughs) My first time up here in a very, very, very long time. It is an honor, a long time coming to share with you today. And I hope you don't mind. Um, I'm just going to read if that's okay, so I don't forget all the good stuff, okay? (laughs) A couple of days ago, Pastor Larry approached me and asked if I would share how D2LO course impacted my life. Now, being honest with you, before taking this course, I would have respectfully declined as I had the mindset that I don't have much to offer standing before you as a speaker. I'm not a pastor. And it's not because I don't want to share with you because I have so many stories and testimonies of God's goodness and grace in my life. Countless. My goodness. But I believed a lie with the devil for many years that I am not good enough, spiritual enough, to ever, ever be used as a vessel to bring the unsaved to Christ or share my heart openly regarding what um, he has done in my life. I felt that my place in the church and the marketplace, which is my job, and perhaps life in general was being behind the scenes due to having a unique spiritual gifting of administration versus being a pastor or other spiritual giftings that I personally felt were more significant than mine. Well, that was wrong. Very wrong. (laughs) And I'm very, very thankful for this course because I became aware of how much I am needed in the body of Christ and how important my role and purpose in life is as I allowed the Lord to work through me. The Lord opened my eyes to my identity in him and what he says about me. I have learned that it's not about me or what I think about me or how I put self-imposed limits on myself which have hindered my true calling and purpose due to convincing myself that I'm not good enough. Excuses. What I see now is he works through me with strong administrative capabilities to help ensure all parts of the body, and that's with all spiritual giftings, work together. 
and are aligned for success by ensuring the administrative needs in the background are taken care of, resulting in all the parts naturally uh, flowing in their God-given purposes. The Lord showed me that I am making a difference in my calling and I need to be confident in what he has entrusted me to do. Assisting and working within a servant leader calling has and will continue to impact others. And I see that I am needed. I have left a trail of Jesus wherever I have gone serving, even though the devil for years has tried to tell me otherwise. So <laughs> I was impacted most in the D2LO course by understanding that we, and that's, that's you and I, that's us, we together, right? Uh, that we reflect the image and nature of God everywhere we go, making the invisible kingdom visible by displaying the fruit of the spirit. Are we kind? Are we patient, gentle, peaceful, generous towards others? As we reflect God's character and our spheres of influence, being the image bearers, it witnesses to people. It captivates them. It gives them hope for a better kingdom. What I take away from D2LO is we, you and I, we are ministers. And ministry happens wherever we are, not just in the four walls of this church. The fire and the passion for people. There's so many people that need to know Jesus. It has renewed in my heart, and I desire to love people and make a difference in the lives by being the hands and feet of Jesus here on earth through the gifts and talents he gave to me. And I will not limit what he wants or needs me to do now or in the future. Sky's the limit, Lord God. In closing, <laughs> in closing, <laughs> if there is anyone who is unsure of your identity, who you are, why are you here? Or maybe we're, you're going through a season, and I know what that's like firsthand. You're going through a season, and you have a lot of whys. Well, I want to encourage you to consider taking the D2LO course. It will change your perspective in God, yourself, and I promise you, because I'm standing before you something that I never thought I could do or I was good enough to do, that he will show you your purpose in life. Thank you. <laughs> Kelly, don't go. Don't go. Kelly. Kelly. I know you're going to love this. Spontaneous. I think I heard you say that you thought that this course was just for leaders. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like my husband and I, we love courses, right? Especially for leadership, you know, because it just, it just helps us to grow. So we thought, okay, we're just going to go in, get some good, some good um, tips and tools to be better mentors. And that was it. Well, I was wrong. But as you found out, this yeah. course is not just for leaders. No, it's for everyone. So let me ask you, how many of you feel like you're a leader? Okay, I see quite a few hands. Everyone who didn't put up your hand, this course is 100% for you. It doesn't matter how old you are. Thanks, Kelly. It doesn't matter how old you are. This course is for you. Okay, real quick. Kelly was talking about the whole aspect of identity. Do you know, everyone struggles with their identity. And sometimes, unknowingly, even in the church, we sometimes mislead people about their identity. 
And I just really want to just kind of talk about this real briefly. I could do an entire message on this. But the reality is this. Your identity is based on one of two specific worldviews. The one worldview is one of scarcity. I'm not enough. God's not enough. My job's not enough. My spouse isn't enough. My kids don't do enough. Scarcity, not enough. That is a worldview established by the devil in the Garden of Eden. How many trees did Adam and Eve have to, or did they have available to them to eat from? A lot, except for one. And the devil comes along and he says, what? That's not enough? You can't eat from this one tree? Scarcity. Scarcity. But the other worldview is one of abundance. I am enough. God is enough. We are enough. In Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors. And do you know what? When we have the worldview that God designed for us from the very beginning of time, all of a sudden in our hearts, there's a desire to bring more because we have enough for everyone. We want to participate in community projects. We want to reach out and establish the love of Jesus Christ in the hearts of our community, redeeming our community. That's why we exist. Enduring harvest, to endure, to press on, to persevere. The harvest, the gathering together. We are called to press on, to persevere in the calling God has for each one of us to redeem our community for God's kingdom and for his glory. Do you know how many verses in the Bible that have this phrase, he who endures to the end shall be saved? It's all about enduring. Seven times in Revelations 2 and 3, that phrase comes up. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Are you enduring? Second Peter 3, 8 and 9. Actually, let me go back. James 5, 7. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. Sometimes when we see the garbage going on around us, we get discouraged. We lose hope. They sang about it this morning. Jesus is our hope. 2 Peter 3, 8 to 9. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. That's you. You're my friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. That's not literal. What that passage is telling us, and I know I've heard so many different messages about that, even the fact that, that in reality, the creation happened in 7,000 years because every day that he talked about was 1,000 years. 
But what Jesus is trying to explain here through the apostle Peter is that time doesn't mean anything to the Lord. It has no relevance. He has always been. So one day is like a thousand years to us or a thousand years is like a day. It just flies by. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Revelation 14, 14 to 16. And I want, there's a climax that I want to come to here. And then we're going to have an altar call. Then I saw a white cloud and seated on the cloud was someone like the son of man. And he had gold, a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, swing the sickle for the time of harvest has come. The crop of earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the whole earth was harvested. It's harvest time. I am telling you that there is a move of the Holy Spirit that is coming. It is powerful and it is here. I am telling you that this room will not contain the, the people that will come in. I am telling you that this harvest is going to be led by young people. This, there is going to be healing like you've never experienced healing. Do you know, sometimes people get so anxious for the miracles and for the glory of God that they go and mimic it. Be careful. Be patient. The move of God will surprise you. It will surprise every one of us. Habakkuk 2, 14 for as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. I declare God's glory in this room right now. So that every single one of us, we can't help but just say, here I am, Lord. The song that uh, they're going to sing in a moment, it's called Available. Available. How many of you are available? Are you available? Are you ready for the harvest? Pray the Lord of the harvest. That's Jesus Christ. To send out laborers. Are you willing to go and be a laborer for Jesus Christ? In this altar call, I want to first invite those who find themselves perhaps maybe not completely surrendered. Perhaps that shell of the seed is still not softened enough to allow growth to happen. Perhaps you are still struggling with dying to yourself and you say, Father God, please help me. 
I don't know what to do. We spend so much time trying to fix ourselves that we miss the mark completely because in being obedient to go, the fixing happens by the Lord God Almighty and it's not something that we do on our own. If that's you, I want to invite you right now to stand up. Why don't we all stand? I want to invite you right now to stand up and come to the front. If that's you, Father God, I'm struggling. I want more. I want to die more. There's something in my life that's keeping me from growing and producing an incredible harvest. Father God, please, I want to be available for you. Earlier on in the week, I was praying for this message. And the Lord showed me that this front was going to be full. Full. There's place. There's room for you. There's room for you. For every one of you. So now I'm going to call... If you are willing to be a laborer for Jesus Christ, say, here I am, Lord, send me. This song, and they're going to sing it in a second, is your coming. And I want you to just meditate on every word. But it starts out, narrow as the road may seem, I'll follow where your spirit leads. Broken as my life may be, I will give you everything. Every piece of me I give to you.
It's my joy to say yes to you, Lord. It's my honor to say, here I am. Whatever it looks like, my response to you this morning is yes. My response is all that I am, all that I am. Let the sound of surrender fill my mouth. There are some of you still standing in your seats that the Lord's tugging, and you know it. You know who I'm talking to. He's tugging and he's saying, you should be up there. Why aren't you? Are you going to allow the weeds to choke out what the Lord is trying to say to you and do in your life today? Getting out of your seat and coming up is a hard thing. It's like 15 miles from the back to the front. But I'm telling you, the moment you take your first step, one step at a time, and the Lord will do a miracle in your life. He will do a miracle. Do you want a miracle in your life this morning? Father God, for each and every one of these souls that have come up here. Father God, I pray over them and I declare over them the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Father God, to be your laborers for Jesus Christ, to be your laborers for kingdom purposes. Father God, I see young people up here. Father God, I pray specifically for every young people in this church, Lord God, that they will rise up and they will be your laborers and they will perform miracles like we have never seen. Father God, anoint them, bless them, and each and every one of us, Father God, that we take our place. We have a purpose and a calling for Jesus Christ. Give us the courage to say, yes, Lord, I am available. 
Here I am, Father God, work through me. Because I am incapable of my own. In my own strength, I can't, I fall, I fail. But Father God, by your strength, I will get up and I will keep moving forward. Father God, there are some here that have come up that they are really fighting with self. Father God, you know them more than they know themselves. Open their eyes to see who you have created them to be. They are princes and princesses. They are priests, royal priesthood, called for your purposes. And you know the beautiful thing, as we learn to surrender, Father God, as they surrender, they will experience freedom in their lives like they have never experienced it before. May a wave of your spirit flow over each and every one, Father God. And may this day be the beginning of an incredible harvest, Father God. Because they're gonna go back to their workplace. They're gonna go back to their community, to their school, Father God, to their neighborhoods, and they are going to shine the love of Jesus Christ. You're not asking them to be preachers, but you're asking each and every one of them to love. Some will rise up to become teachers. Some will become prophets. Some will become evangelists. And that's good. But each and every one of us have a purpose and a function in your kingdom. If you've brought your communions up with you, we're gonna have communion right now. If not, feel free to go back to your seats. Do you know that Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, he knew then already, he knew then, he was dying so that an army of Christian leaders would rise up after him to go and to continue the work that he began. He laid it all down for you. He laid it all down. He gave up his life so that we could have life. He allowed his body to be broken so that we could experience healing. Father God, I hold this broken biscuit in my hand representing your broken body. And Father God, I think about the price that you paid and how minimal it is, Father God, for us to say, Lord, I am here. Whatever you want from me, Father God, I am willing to die to myself so that you can be glorified through my being. You are enough for me. And so I partake and am reminded of your love. Jesus Christ shed his blood for the remission of sins. 
so that we can experience eternal life. Is anyone here good enough, worthy to go to heaven? Not a one. Not a single one. Not even I. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. Because he knew that no one was worthy. And without a relationship with Jesus Christ, without coming to the table with Jesus Christ, we cannot experience that eternal blessing. And so we partake of this cup together as a family. And we're reminded of that sacrifice. No greater love has any man than one lay down his life for a friend. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. He is calling you friend. Will you receive him? Will you remember that sacrifice? Will you say, here I am, Lord. I am available. I die to you. Let's partake together. If there is anyone here following the service, if you find yourself saying, Pastor, I'm not sure if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I thought I did, but I'm not certain right now. After the service, I invite you to come to the front and uh, I'd love to pray with you and give you guidance. May you be blessed. I encourage you, just say whatever. I'll be that part. Thank you much, Windsor Christian Fellowship. You have been equipped. Go and be the church.